2: 888
3: Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And
0: I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Call us now with your home improvement question. Call us now with your do-it-yourself dilemma. Call us now before you pick up the hammer, before you pick up the saw. Call us first. We'll help you get that job done once, done right, so perhaps you won't have to do it again, and you can move on to another project in your money (laughs) pit. One by one, we will tackle them and get them all done. Hey, coming up this hour, warm weather is just about over for most of the country, but that doesn't mean that you have to turn your ceiling fans to the off position. We're going to give you a trick of the trade today that will help you actually warm your house using the ceiling fan all winter long.
0: Yeah, and another way to keep warm is to make sure that your home is sealed up from all of winter's drafts that are trying to get into your house. And one way is with a good quality fiberglass door because those fiberglass doors, they actually can offer five times more insulation than a wood door. Well, we're going to tell you how to find out which is the right door for you and your money pit in just a bit.
3: And speaking of fiberglass, insulation can also keep warm air inside your house this winter. And it's not just for your attic. An unheated crawl space is a perfect place to add some extra insulation. We're going to give you the step-by-step guide to do just that and have those floors nice and toasty warm for the chilliest winter days ahead. Mm
0: -hmm. And have we got a prize for you this hour. You know, we get a lot of calls from pet owners. And if you are a happy pet owner, and even if you're not, this is a great prize for you. We're giving away the new Eureka Capture Plus Pet Lover Vacuum. It's worth about $170 and it is made to truly pick up all of that pesky pet hair that just does not come off of your upholstery. It is a great vacuum and you will love it and it can be yours for free.
3: 888-666-3974. Remember, you must have a home improvement question and be willing to come on the air and ask us to qualify for that great prize. Leslie, let's get to the phones. Who's
0: first? Now we're going to head over to Arizona where Lita has a question about a sliding door. What can we do for you?
2: Um. Yes, I have a couple of sliding glass doors, um, vinyl frames with the double-paned with the mm-hmm. argon gas. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it appears that uh, two of the, the sliding portions of the door have lost their seal, <clears throat> so I'm getting some condensation inside. On the inside, yeah. Yeah, and I was wondering if they can be, you know, resealed, you know, with the gas or do I just need to go out and buy some
0: new ones?
3: Unfortunately, no. Once that seal fails, the moisture starts to get in. That has to come right from the factory. It's not something that we can fix on site. The good news is, is that it's mostly a cosmetic defect. It typically doesn't impact the energy efficiency of the door all that much. So you should think about perhaps living with it for a while, but it gets really nasty looking over time. Then you could think about replacing the doors, Lita.
2: Okay, yeah, because um, yeah, a couple of them are getting to that point where it All just right. bothers me, where it's mm-hmm. you know impeding the view.
3: And, yeah, and well, if you've got a beautiful house and a beautiful view, then it's worth changing out those doors. You might want to take a look at the uh, ThermaTru sliding glass doors. They're made out of fiberglass, and they're real energy efficient, and they can really take a punishment. I've known these folks for a long, long time. I've been to their factory. They make great products.
2: Okay, great. Well, I appreciate your help.
3: All right, good luck with that project, Lita. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: Jeff and I always got a question about the bath. What's going on?
4: Yeah, um, I have some tile that is cracking like right around the toilet. And the grout around the toilet, uh, around the tile is like flaky. And there's caulk around the bathtub, so to, to keep it from expanding and from that. So I don't know how it could be cracking.
3: Well, underneath the toilet, there's a wax seal, and that makes the the, the seal between the toilet and the drain. And if the wax seal... Is starting to break down, which happens from, you know, movement and shifting the toilet over the years, you could be leaking some water out there. And if you leak the water out, the floor is going to start to decay. Then it's going to get softer and that could cause shifting in the tile to crack. So the first thing I would do is I would very carefully place my foot against the side bowl of the toilet and press very gingerly around there to see if there's any sponginess in the floor.
4: Yeah, there definitely
3: is. Ah, okay. Well, now you have a bigger problem <laughs> because now what you're going to have to do is pull that toilet up, and you're going to have to pull the, toilet, the tile out, and you're probably going to have some floor decay in there, and, and that's unfortunately fairly common. You're going to have okay. to repair the floor, put the tile back, replace the wax seal, and set it back in place. It sounds like that's a pretty common wear and tear pattern that you're experiencing there, Jeff, around the toilet, and if you don't fix it, it's going to get worse a, a lot quicker.
4: Well, that would explain... Probably why there's water leaking through the ceiling downstairs. Though.
3: Now, now there, that's a clue. You see that? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thanks so much for calling okay. us at 888 Money Pit. Thank you.
0: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Pick up the phone and give us a call because you can call us with your home repair, or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 1 888 Money Pit.
3: 888 666 3974. Up next, are you using your ceiling fan in the winter months? Well, you should be. We're going to put a spin on how it can actually help lower your heating bills next.
1: This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by April Air, makers of professionally installed high efficiency air cleaners. For more information, go to AprilAir.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
3: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show.
0: I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti, and you should pick up the phone and give us a call at 1 888 MoneyPit.com. We're giving away a great prize this hour. We've got the Eureka Capture Plus Pet Lover Vacuum as our prize this hour. It's worth $170 and it's designed to tackle the two biggest problems that pet owners face, and it really is so helpful. It's going to fight pet hair and pet odors. It's got a pet power paw. That's a lot of peas. Try to say that (laughs) very fast. It's got this Pet Power Paw attachment, and it gets up all of that hair that sits on your upholstery, and it even has a built-in charcoal filter, which is going to help reduce all of those pet odors. One caller we talked to on the air this hour is going to win that prize, so give us a call at one 888 Pit.
3: All right. If you have a ceiling fan in your house, you probably use it all summer long to keep cool, but it can actually help you keep warm in the winter. In the winter months, what you need to do is set the ceiling fan to turn clockwise to move the warm air that raises down into your room. When the weather heats up, then you can set the fan to turn counterclockwise to get the cooling breeze. Now, how do you make the fan do just that? Well, if you look carefully on the side of the motor, there is a reversing switch that will reverse the direction of blade travel. It's as simple as that, and it can push that warm air right back down to keep you comfortable all winter long. 888 666 3974.
0: Leslie, who's next? Ken's looking for some ways to save some energy dollars by installing a pellet stove. How can we help?
2: My question is, I have a seventeen—I'm uh, sorry, 1,800-square-foot home, but I'm thinking of adding a pellet stove. It's uh, split level, and I would put the uh, pellet stove in the bottom level. Is this going to help me uh, really in terms of heating fuel costs because your house is currently being heated by oil?
3: You know, oil heat's going to be the most expensive uh, this year. The uh, Energy Information Administration has got oil costs upwards of about 23% higher. And so it's never been a better time to think about ways to cut back on that. Pellet stoves are very clean today. They burn super clean. Uh, There are stoves that are Energy Star rated that are available. Um, The best installation on those is in a fairly open area so that you have good circulation of air. But I think it's a great opportunity uh, to consider putting in a pellet stove or even a high efficiency wood stove mm-hmm. now sort of better more than ever because of the cost of energy. So I'd say give it a shot.
0: I think it's really important also, Ken, depending on the type of pellet stove that you choose, really pay attention to the installation directions that come along with it. You know, if you've got a freestanding one, you want those in a large open area, a fireplace insert obviously into your fireplace. There are also models that go in a corner of a room or on a blank wall. So pay attention to how your manufacturer recommends it. It's a great addition and it's really going to cut your costs.
2: Are there restrictions as to where they can be placed?
3: Yes, and because of the uh, heat that it gives out, there has to be certain distance of clearance to combustible, so many inches between the stove and anything that can burn. But there are ways around that. For example, there's a way to put a heat shield behind it that would allow you to have it closer to the wall than, um, than having it farther away without the heat shield. I know, for example, with a wood stove, the heat shield can get that wood stove as close as about 12 inches to the wall, but if you didn't have the heat shield, it'd have to be about three feet from the wall. So there are ways to work around it. The installation is really where most of the mistakes are made. That's why it's really a good idea to work with a pro on getting this purchased and installed properly in your house.
2: Well, thank you guys. I love your show and keep up the good work.
3: You're welcome, Ken. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: Dolly in Florida has a leaky bathroom vent. What can we do for you? Tell us what's going on. Yeah, it, sometimes it leaks
2: and sometimes it doesn't when it rains. Okay. Like today, we had a really a downpour and windy bl- wind blowing and everything, and it didn't link today. So I don't know what's going on. It's like a round vent with a cap over the top.
3: Dolly, is this an asphalt shingle roof or a metal roof? No, it's a metal roof. Okay, what I think is happening is I think that you probably don't have the right type of flashing around where this comes through the metal roof. And as a result, whoever put this in probably just tried to use some caulk or some other type of roof cement or something of that to seal that space. And that's going to be just destined for trouble because Mm -hmm. of the expansion contraction is going to crack. There is a product that's called Dektite, D-E-K-T-I-T-E. And this is a design for for a pipe flashing. It works for plumbing, for heating, and for exhaust vents. And it basically goes around that round pipe where it comes through the roof and it seals to the roof and it seals to the pipe and absolutely prevents any water from getting in there. You might want to take a look at a building supply website like ITW BuildX is one that has this sort of industrial commercial supply. But that's the kind of product. And I hate to put you in charge of this, but this is something that a roofer should know to do. You need to have a flashing boot around this, and they didn't put one in, and that's why it's leaking.
0: Okay, thank you very much.
3: You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: Alexandra in New York is having some issues heating a room with a cathedral ceiling and needs help with insulation. What can we do for you?
2: Yes, I have a ranch house that I built about four years ago, and it, it has an open air architect, you know, and we're cathedral ceiling. And no matter how how high I set the setting on the thermostat, the house always gets cold in the winter.
3: You have a ceiling fan in that cathedral ceiling room? Okay. Do you have it set so that it reverses in the wintertime and pushes the warm air back down again? Yes. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. But it still is not warm enough. This this is an open uh, setting. It has with a living room, dining room, and kitchen, all one, and it's one big, large room. Now, they put insulation in the attic floor. How can I put more insulation there?
3: If you have an actual cavity um, above that drywall that you can get to, then you could add more insulation. Now, the insulation standards have changed in the last four years, and you said you have blown-in. Today, you want to have about 22 inches of blown-in fiberglass insulation in that space. If you don't have that much, you perhaps could add some more, but I would also caution you to make sure that you add some additional ventilation, perhaps a ridge vent or a soffit vent or both to make sure that you're flushing moisture out of that attic because you don't want it to be trapped inside that space either.
0: Mike in Wisconsin is looking to finish up his basement. How can we help?
4: Hi, guys. I love your show.
0: Hey, thanks. So I've
4: got a 100-year-old house that the uh, basement walls are made of limestone, and they're crumbling. So my wife and I have decided to have the house lifted and new walls, uh, the old walls excavated out and new walls put in. And the question I have is, uh, what would you think would be a better material to use poured concrete or uh, cinder block as far as cost-effectiveness, either way, that type of thing. I wonder if you could help me out
3: well my my top choice would be poured concrete if you have the accessibility and, and can do it, but when you 're doing a house lift like that, you know sometimes uh-huh. site site access is the issue and it, and it may be easier to do this with a concrete block than poured concrete. I would say if you have room to get the forms in in there, Mike I would go with the poured concrete, but you know that being said if you don't have the room, there's absolutely nothing wrong with using a concrete block foundation if it's properly assembled. I hope that you have a good engineer on this project, because this is not a project that should be done by anyone less than, than that.
4: Right. Okay. Okay.
3: Because it's a tricky, 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 tricky operation to get the weight off that wall and, and dig out the old one and then rebuild the new one and then gently get the get the weight back on it.
4: Right. Right. I understand. Yeah, I've already got uh, a uh, an engineer lined up to at least start looking at the site for me.
3: Yeah, you want an engineer to supervise this project. Not only do you want to make sure that it's going to uh, go successfully, your house not going to come tumbling down, but when it comes time to sell the house, some questions might come up about the work that was done on the foundation. If you have an engineer certification that it was done up to their specifications and their design, that's, that's as good as a pedigree on the structure of your house.
4: Well, super, super. I really appreciate you guys giving me a lot of uh, great information. Thank you very much.
3: You're welcome, Mike. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four you know, paint in your house, do it yourself. Mm. Replacing your foundation, not so much.
0: And it's a really interesting process. Around where I live, there were several homes around the town that happened to just be repouring their foundations around the same time. And it was interesting to watch these homes completely moved and lifted. I mean, what a nightmare. If you're that homeowner, you're just watching in disbelief as your house is completely-
3: It is pretty fascinating. You know, the, the, one of the techniques that they use is called needle beaming. Mm-hmm. And, and imagine taking a girder and threading it through the old foundation as if it was a needle. Uh, you know, Thread through a needle.
0: That is insane.
3: And then they lift the beam up, and of course that lifts the house, and now there's no weight on the foundation. They can get under there and replace it. It's pretty, pretty a uh, challenging process, but if you got to do it, that's the way to go.
0: All right, we've got Jose from Kansas City, Missouri, on the line, who's got a garage door situation. What's happening?
4: Well, every winter, typically when it's 10 below, the garage door decides that it doesn't want to work, and this is the, the the outside panel on the garage door, and the remote openers decide that they're not going to work. I guess the they want us to get out and freeze. Um, one more piece of the equation is when they do get out and walk in the house and push the panel button on the inside of the house, it does open. Jose,
3: let me uh, let me throw a dart here. It sounds to me like what might be happening is as the door tries to come up, it's getting stuck because when the temperature drops like that, the lubricants dry out. You can get some moisture in the in the hinges and it seizes. And it might be that the safety reverse mechanism on this opener is basically thinking that something is stuck and so it's 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 shutting itself off. So You probably could replace the uh, remote as well as the panel on the outside to keep out on the outside. But for the cost of doing that, if this garage door opener you suspect is more than, say, three or four years old, you'd be better off replacing the whole opener. Because obviously part of the control circuit is breaking down, and the cost of those repair parts is going to be close to the cost of replacing the whole thing. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a disposable society, and this is a situation where just buying a replacement uh, opener and keypad is probably not going to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. But you know what? Also, if you're in a situation where you need to adjust the sensitivity of the uh, mechanism that senses if something is blocking the door, you don't want to forget to put it back when the weather warms up or mess something up where it's going to not sense something in a situation where it should.
4: there goes the cat.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
3: (laughs) Jose, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
0: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Hey, we've got an idea that's going to keep your house warmer and your family safer, and you can do both of those with a fiberglass door. We're going to tell you how next.
2: On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home, sweet home.
1: The Money Pit is brought to you by the Western Red Cedar Lumber Association. Discover Western Red Cedar's unique beauty, performance, and environmental benefits at realcedar.org.
3: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: Call us right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT. Call us now if you're tired of paying high hitting bills because we've got some energy saving tips for you right now. You know, for energy savings, for security, and for safety, nothing. Beats, a really good quality entry door for your house. And we think the best are made of fiberglass. They look great and they can really up the curb appeal just by changing out the door. Your house value can go up as much as $24,000, according to a recent study.
0: Now, when we're talking about fiberglass doors, ThermaTru, they are truly the industry leader. You know, they invented the fiberglass door. That's why here to tell us about exactly how fiberglass doors help save energy and make us safer in our own homes, we've got Dave Proctor from ThermaTru. Welcome, Dave. Hi, I'm
5: Tom, Leslie. Thank you for having me on the show today.
3: Well, it's our pleasure. Let's talk a little bit about fiberglass doors and how they are different from wood uh, and steel, which is what perhaps many in the audience are, yeah, the uh, are accustomed to. Um, first of all, I think it's interesting that fiberglass doors have been around for a long time. You guys invented this technology, didn't you? Was that like about 25 or 30 years ago?
5: It was actually 25 years ago we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this year.
3: Oh, Fantastic. excellent.
0: Congratulations.
3: And Thank you. even though we think it's something that's fairly new, it's been around for a long time, um, what are some of the advantages of fiberglass over wood and steel?
5: Well, obviously a fiberglass door um, has a lot of advantages. It won't rot or crack or split like a real wood door would. And then if you want to compare it to the steel door category, it doesn't dent or rust um, like a steel door would if you happen to scratch through the paint or something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. No. Nope. What about maintenance, Dave? You know, do you have to um, restain or repaint, you know, every so often, or do they really just do a wonderful job of sort of upkeeping their finish?
5: Well, obviously, like any um, product that you might want to, that you're going to put a paint or a finish on, you may have to maintenance it at some point in time. We currently have a fiberglass staining system that we um, are going to market with today it's uh, what we call a, a same-day stain. And when you put stain that door and you put the clear coat on, maybe after a period of time, two or three years, you may have to re-clear coat it, but the stain will stay and you won't have to maintenance that again. So that'll, that'll maintain its, um, its color and, and finish.
3: Now, when you apply a stain to fiberglass, can you get it to look a lot like a regular wood door?
5: Oh, yeah. You can, uh, you can get it to look like um, uh, it's a real wood door to most people who wouldn't be able to tell the difference. It's all in the application of the stain, putting it on the fiberglass and how you wipe it in and rub it around and get it down into the the grain of the door. But you can make it look just like a real wood door.
3: We're talking to Dave Proctor. He's the Director of Product Management, Entry, and Patio Door Systems for ThermaTru about fiberglass door technology. So obviously we can paint it Um, we can stain it, but right now we're mostly concerned about energy-saving capability and um, how is it that the fiberglass door does in that category, Dave? Is it ENERGY STAR rated? Uh, How does it compare to wood and to steel doors?
5: Well, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously one of the things you'll want to look for is is a door that is ENERGY STAR qualified, and obviously to do that, you look for the ENERGY STAR logo on the product, Today, ThermoTrue fiberglass doors, 98% of the doors that we offer today are Energy Star qualified and are certified by the NFRC, or National Fenestration Rating Council.
3: Yeah, we actually often have talked about the NFRC on our show. And the reason that that's a fantastic rating because it really enables the consumer to make an apples-to-apples comparison of the qualities of the door, the energy efficiency of the door to, to other competitive products. And it, there, there's so many competing claims out there, as I'm sure you're aware, with an NFRC rating, you guys have really simplified the process.
5: Yeah. And and, and obviously, some of the things you look for in a, in a door um, to uh, allow you to comply with that qualification is having a door that's going to be a nice tight seal. Mm-hmm. Our product is, is made with HFC free um, polyurethane foam, which provides up to five times the insulation of a real wood door. Wow. Yeah. Basically, it's the, you know, if you're talking R-value, which I'm sure you're familiar with what the Mm -hmm. R-value is, the measure of thermal resistance, it's the fiberglass door is almost as insulated as a standard wall of an average home today.
0: Now, is it only because, Dave, when you buy a thermature door, you're getting the entire system so it locks more securely, it seals more securely, or is it the door itself that sort of brings this value?
5: Right, exactly. The, the combination of the weather strip that we designed, the door bottom sweeps that we put on our system, and the fact that the, the, the door itself is filled with polyurethane foam gives you those insulating characteristics. Yeah.
3: Now, Dave, I mentioned before that you can actually increase your, your value of your home, your perceived value of your home. I think it's interesting. I want to talk a bit about the survey that you guys did where you showed uh, identical groups of consumers uh, basically photos of uh, several different types of homes, one with a standard entryway and one with an enhanced thermature entryway in it. And the results were were quite striking in that this group of consumers actually was asked to estimate the value of the homes and determined that the homes with the enhanced entryways were worth up to $24,000 more. And of course, the doors don't cost nearly that much.
5: No. As a matter of fact, it was an independent third-party survey that we did, and uh, the feedback, as you mentioned, Tom, came back that you could increase the value of your home by up to $24,000 for a system that might only cost you about $5,000. And those systems would include a nice set of of side lights with decorative glass in both the side lights as well as the door panel.
3: And of course, the doors don't always cost that much. You can start around, uh, what's it, about $500 to start with a door?
5: Yeah, and obviously the, the the one with the decorative glass is where you're going to um, mm-hmm. increase the price of sure. that, that. And there's system.
0: so many beautiful choices. I mean, you can go full color, just plain letting. The doors are gorgeous. You should be really proud of the line, Dave. You
5: well, know, Thank you very much. And obviously with the stain that you can put on some of the uh, classic craft versions, then you can really make it look like a real wood door from the curb as well.
3: Dave Proctor, Director of Product Management, Entry, and Patio Door Systems for Thermatrue. Thanks for uh, stopping by the Money Pit, Dave, and filling us in on fiberglass door technology. Very interesting.
5: Well, thanks a lot for your time, and I appreciate, um, on behalf of Thermatrue, we want to thank you for having me on the show today. You're very welcome.
0: You know, Dave, those doors are so beautiful. So thanks for doing what you do with fiberglass. Up next, we've got more ways to keep your house warm this winter, which everybody is looking to do. We're going to tell you how to keep cold air out from underfoot with the right insulation. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home for calling 888-MONEY-PIT.
3: Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
3: Call us right now with your home improvement question at one 888 Pit. Call us right now, especially if you have a question and you own a pet. Because this hour, we are giving away a Eureka vacuum that is designed especially for pet hair and odors. It's called the Eureka Capture Plus. It's worth a lot of bucks, about $170. Actually, it's going to go to one caller that we talked to on the air at one 888 Pit.
0: All right, well, maybe you're calling us because you're looking for ways to keep your house warmer and save some energy dollars, and everybody is looking for that this time of year. Well, while you're doing that, know that insulation is your best friend, because an under-insulated home, it can mean a lot more energy used to heat and cool it, folks. It goes both ways, and a lot more money when those bills start coming in. So when you're thinking about this, think about insulation. It's really going to make a big difference. You know, an unheated crawl space can send cold air up through the floor of your home and then it makes your heating system work a lot harder than it has to. The folks at Owens Corning, they advise adding fiberglass insulation bats between the joists in the crawl space ceiling. Here's how. You always want to install the insulation with the vapor barrier towards the warm side of the structure in heating climates. In a vented crawl space, the warm side is usually up closest to the floor. Now, water pipes should be insulated and you'll need to insulate carefully around electrical wiring and boxes.
3: An insulation should also be placed around cross braces by cutting it and pushing it up in between the braces. Now, once the insulation's in place between those floor joists, Insulation hangers or nylon straps can be used to hold the product in place. Then you want to use a 4 or 6 mil polyethylene vapor barrier laid down to completely cover the ground. Why? It prevents the moisture from wicking up and getting into the insulation. Lastly, you can place rocks or bricks around the perimeter to hold that vapor barrier in place. Would you like more tips on how to properly insulate your house? There's a great website that we can recommend. It is insulateandsave.com. Check it out today. InsulateandSave.com.
0: Jan, in Utah, needs some help selecting a finish for her project. What can we do for you?
2: I um, have been refinishing my front door and I've stripped the whole door down. It's a solid wood. I think it's knotty alder, so it's a soft wood. I stripped it, I stained it, and now I want to put a polyurethane or something on the front of it. Mm -hmm. It's an east-facing door and we live in the desert. Well, pretty much the desert. We've got a real penetrating sun, and it's sunny almost all the time. And I did the back door, which faces the west, about two years ago, and the finish is just gone.
3: Hmm. Yeah, you, got, you need something that's got really good UV protection. I would recommend a marine varnish. Have you thought about that?
2: I haven't. Is, now, will that leave a yellow, uh, kind of, well, does it turn yellow?
3: Not as much as it used to, Um, The Marine Varnish is a really durable product, and uh, it's something that's specifically designed to give you a very high level of protective coating from uh, ultraviolet radiation. The other option you could use is a spar urethane. Minwex makes a product called Helmsman, which has uh, a, a pretty good resistance to sunlight. But I think if I wanted to be really, really cautious, I'd probably go with the Marine Varnish.
2: Oh, that's such good advice. Well, I I have tried the spar varnish and I I was wondering whether it matters if it's the water-based or the oil-based.
3: It does matter. To me, I really don't like water-based urethanes. I just don't think they're very durable. I would use them on like maybe furniture or something like that that I don't really need to have the level of of wear resistance on. But anything that's going to really take a beating, I always use the oil-based urethanes.
2: Oh, that is such good news. Okay, so marine varnish, where do I get it?
3: Oh, any hardware store or home center or... uh, you know, marine supply house, anything like that.
2: All right. Oh, thank you so much. That's just the answer I need.
3: All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit, 888 666 3974. There's a project you want to get done pretty quickly so you can get that door closed again.
0: <laughs> Charles in New Jersey is looking to talk about some siding options. How can we help you?
4: Uh, yes, yeah, so I was just curious. Um, I wanted to know the benefits in regards to uh, stone siding as compared to uh, like a panel siding or a vinyl siding.
3: When you say panel siding, uh, what kind of panels are you talking about, Charles? Well, I
5: know know down in Texas a buddy of mine has, uh, it's almost like a a concrete uh, uh, panel. Oh, you mean a fiber
3: cement panel? Yes. Okay. Well, those are all real maintenance-free opportunities. I mean, vinyl's going to be the least expensive. Uh, fiber cement is a little more expensive, but it probably gives you a better return on investment when it comes time to sell the house. Now, in terms of the stone, it's that's probably, I would think it's probably the most expensive, but again, it's very maintenance-free. But isn't
0: it also the most energy efficient as well? Right. No,
3: well, you think the stone is going to be more energy efficient? Well,
0: wouldn't it be? Because it sort of acts like a fuller layer of insulation because you're no, dealing with the I mud base and the stone itself? You no, know, there,
3: there could be some trapped air inside the stone, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't think of siding as my insulating layer. I would concentrate on the insulation in between the wall cavities when it comes to siding, what you want to do is stop the drafts. And if you have a good vapor barrier underneath that, uh, you know, something like Tyvek or something of that nature, that's going to stop the drafts. So in terms of ranking these, vinyl, perfectly acceptable, inexpensive. Uh, fiber cement looks great. Very strong, very durable. And stone, if you like that look, I would kind of put that right up there with fiber cement. Either way, I think you'll be in good shape, Charles. Okay.
4: And what about durability? As far as where I live, there are a lot of rocks and... Uh... Uh, when I mow the lawn, sometimes rocks will shoot out and I actually put holes in
3: in the, the siding yeah, yeah well that's that's a real good point um and and it's very difficult to repair siding. We occasionally we'll get calls from folks that do have holes in their siding, and usually we tell you to swap out the piece with a hole for uh, another good piece somewhere else on the house that props possibly in an area that's uh, not quite as obvious. Well, have you discovered a mysterious odor coming from the plumbing in your home? And there's no one in the plumbing facilities causing that mysterious odor? <laughs> well, it could be more common than you think. We're going to help you figure out the source of those plumbing odor woes when we come back.
1: Money Pit! Money Pit. This portion of the Money Pit is brought to you by RYOBI manufacturer of professional feature power tools and accessories with an affordable price for the do-it-yourselfer. RYOBI Power Tools, pro features, affordable price. Available exclusively at The Home Depot. Now, here
0: are Tom and Leslie.
3: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, where we make good homes better. I'm Tom Kreitler.
0: And I'm Leslie Segretti. And if the thought of those high energy bills that are about to come rolling in now that we're entering major heating season is really freaking you out, then you know that cutting energy use and those costs have never been more important. And we can really all do our part to cut energy consumption. To find out how you can change your home room by room, check out the Energy Star Video Podcast. It's on our homepage at moneypit.com. And while you're there, click on the Ask Tom and Leslie icon and email us your question. We got a bunch. We got one here from Paul in Secaucus, New Jersey, who writes, as a teacher, I travel during the months of July and August. When I come home, the hot water has an unusual odor that lasts quite a long time. What causes this and how can I avoid this from happening in the future? Mm,
3: I bet it lasts for about 40 gallons, Paul, because that's the water that's sort of laying dormant inside the, uh, the water heater, yeah, and it will develop an odor. Uh, what you need to do is basically just run the tank until that's flushed out, and that will change that. The other thing that could be causing an odor, and maybe you're associating it with the water, is that the traps in the sinks could actually be evaporated of all the water that's Drying in there. Out. And as a result, you'll get sewage gas that will back up from the street and basically get into your house, and that can kind of smell pretty ratty as well. Between those two things, that'll clean up the odor, odor pretty quickly.
0: I've always used to laugh at that Seinfeld episode when Jerry went on vacation. He had George come over and exercise the plumbing. Yeah. You know, that's what you need to do, Paul. You have to have a friend come over and exercise the plumbing. All right, we've got one here from Joe in East Northport, New York, who writes, a friend of mine has a hot water tank he heats with oil. In the mornings, he turns it on and brings it up to normal temperature for his family. Then he shuts it off. He says the water stays hot for the rest of the day if hot water is needed for other uses. Is this more effective way of saving fuel and money instead of leaving it on all day?
3: Well, I mean, if you want to be there to turn your water heater on and off, that's essentially what a water heater timer does. In terms of an electric water heater, we often recommend those 240 volt timers. Of course, they don't really exist for oil water heaters. I don't see anything wrong with what he's doing, um, except he'd probably be better off just making sure the tank is properly insulated and letting it run off the thermostat. I think that it wouldn't be terribly expensive as long as it's properly insulated to run it properly.
0: Mm -hmm. And by proper insulation, you mean one of those insulation blankets. You can get them for about 10 bucks. Just make sure you put it on properly and get the right one for the job.
3: You know, home improvement projects don't have to take all day to complete. If you've got 30 minutes, there are lots of projects that you can do around your house. And Leslie's got one that can actually help seal out drafts in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word.
0: That's right. We want you to become a draft detective in your house and it's going to help you save energy bills all year long, whether you're heating or cooling. Now put on your Sherlock Holmes hat and then go around your house and use the back of your hand and carefully run it along the top, bottom and sides of your windows and doors. The skin on the top of your hand is much more temperature sensitive than your palm. And if there's a draft, you are going to pick it up right away and then you'll know where exactly to seal. also, you want to check outlets and light switches that are on your exterior walls. If you feel a draft, grab your caulk gun or your weather stripping and get crack and sealing away. You will see a big difference in your energy dollars. And we are all going to see prices going up this heating season. So anything and everything that you can do to save those dollars is going to be a big help.
3: 888-666-3974. Speaking of heat, if you are thinking of heating your home this winter with a wood stove, Perhaps you have one. Perhaps you're thinking about buying one. We're going to give you some tips to help make sure you're using as effectively and as efficiently as possible on the next Money Pit. I'm Tom
0: Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in
2: a Money Pit.